Hello, welcome to episode number 85, Joel Fleischman Happy Hour Podcast. I have with me John Bond from Georgia. <laughs> Good to be here. Thanks for having me. John Lumber, how are you doing? Doing great. Cheers. Cheers. It's a happy hour. You got to have something in your hand. Yeah, and what are you drinking there from the big G? I'm actually drinking a Montucky cold snack. Ooh. That's from Montana. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great beer. Completely unique uh, label. They really they, they do a oh. good job marketing. It's a good beer. I just beer. filled it. So they did. They do a good job. It's fantastic. Yeah. With the, well, yeah, it's a great one. It's yeah, one of my favorites. So we actually have Drexel Light. <laughs> Drexel Light. There you go. Yes, we actually uh, private labeled our own beer, um, specially made for us, uh, one of a kind flavor from a local brewery. So we actually have it made it for the builders. So 10 cents of every can goes to the local trade schools. So we have gotten 210 barrels, which is about 15,000 cans in our stores. Uh, it's about 25, 20, about 20 pallets of, of beer that we give out to the builders. We are. 60 seconds into this and you've already done something that blows my mind you're just different <laughs> i love it i love it right that's great all right it has been really fun and they 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 may pick it up as one of their we can't resell it we just have to give it away right but they actually <laughs> might pick it up as one of their brands next year as their seasonal potentially we <clears> hope <throat> they'll pick it up um so that would be phenomenal <laughs> to go to grocery store and it for sale so so cool Great Very stuff. Hi, Jack. Can you give us a little intro, who you are, where you're from? Give us your give us your little 30-second elevator speech. Sure. Yep. So uh, from Marietta, Georgia, right outside of Atlanta, uh, my grandfather started Brand Vaughn Lumber Company with his partner by, his cousin by marriage and his par business partner, R.L. Brand, in 1946 in southwest Atlanta. Uh, they built a great business um, at a single location. My dad came into the business in 1976 when Mr. Brand wanted to leave the business. It's been an all Vaughn business from 1976. I came into the business in 2006. Um, in December of 2006, that was great timing to come into the business. I'd worked at George Pacific out of the University of Georgia. I don't know if you can, can you tell that I'm a Georgia fan? I got the cup, I got the diploma, the whole thing. Um, but um, came into the business in 2006, saw the downturn, got the most expensive MBA I could have ever asked for. And then we grew the business. Uh, we're very fortunate and blessed as we grew the business with some great people, great partners. Uh, we sold the business to USLBM in July 1st of 2021. Um, and I took a role as a regional vice president there um, right after we joined. And as of May 31st, I left. And so now I am unemployed. Um, thankful for the experience I had there. We can get into that as we go through. But but excited to be at home. Took my son to a haircut right before this. I haven't done that in my life. And so uh, just excited about that. I got a wife, Molly, who's wonderful. Three kids, Nate's 13. My daughter, Hollis, is 11. And then Walker's seven. Shout out to Walker and everybody out there. So what was yeah. your wife's name? Molly. Hi, Molly. Shout out to Molly. That's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So you are unemployed. How does that I'm feel? It feels great. Um, it's really, I mean, you know how it is, the grind that you go through, uh, owning a business, running a business, uh, it's its its a lot. How many people, uh, when you sold uh, revenue, if you can share that, if not, but how many people? So we were north of 200 million in revenue. We had about 220 plus 
people between 220 and 225 at the time. Um, and I mean, at it your, grew. Your, oh, sorry. At your peak, how many hours were you working? Like your heyday, good or bad? So the so the most I was working, I'll tell you, was in 2013. I was probably working between 85 and 100 hours a week. Um, I was opening up the gates, I was closing the gates. Saturday. It was not rough. Really no phoning social events, anything like that. No, yeah, no, not, yeah. not including put that, it. Put that, top, put that on top of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and and so from ten years later, you're sitting here talking to me. Took your son to a haircut from hundred hour work weeks. Right. Crazy. It's How's amazing. Your mind? How's your mind? I mean, uh, like a rat, like chasing something in your brain at all time, like some anxiety. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I still wake up at four thirty. Uh, and my mind just kicks back on just like it's done every day for 20 years. Um, and so uh, being able to quiet some of those voices will be will be an interesting journey. But kind of going through that journey right now of what does it look like to to think about this in a different way? How do I how do I show up for my kids? How do I show up for my wife, my community in this time? Because really what, what this is about is is reengaging and something that um, I've missed some of over the years. So, so 2013 was, I mean, we were growing like crazy and we lost an operations manager. I was stepping into that role um, and was just grinding. Time, like it felt good at the time, Superman cape, like in that moment. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, this is what I was made for. Right. Exactly. Hey, you and I, you know, we've talked about the wartime generals and peacetime generals. Yeah. Man, I thought I could play hero ball. Uh, and be a wartime yeah. general and just take it all on my shoulders. And, um, and it was great for the business and terrible for the family. And so, um, so that was a challenge, but so then kind of got some balance. And then, you know, when, when I took this role as an RVP, I was on the road a lot. So in an airplane and hotels, seeing customers, vendors, other businesses, which was fantastic. I learned a ton, but at the same time, being away from my family, you know, something had to take, um, take a backseat. And so my kids, and wife did to an extent, but I tried to make sure that I was here as much as possible for them. But then there was the all the other things that I had a lot of joy around involved in my community, nonprofits, charities, boards, work I was doing. And that had to give. Um, and I just I missed a lot of things with my family. And then I missed a lot of that. And, and I felt like that's somewhere where I could add value to those nonprofits and ministries, to the community. And I like I just felt alive when I was doing that sort of stuff. And so getting back to that, I'm I'm super excited about. So you've got a little salt and pepper, but you look like you're about 21. So how old are you? Uh, 43. 43. Okay. So that's pretty crazy, right? So this is awesome. So what are you what are you gonna do when you grow up, John? I don't know. That's what's uh that's part of what's exciting is you know, I know I'm fortunate and blessed to be able to take this time off when other people would really like to be able to do that. I've been blessed and put in a position that I can. And so what I'm trying to be is real intentional about not being too uh, quick to say yes. Um, because I'm a doer. I love creativity. I love creation. I love vision casting, leading. And so this, this, I just, I have to think about that differently, just change my mindset for this period as I am intentional about through the end of the year, I'm going to be camp counselor, uh, youth coach, like teaching the kids through the end of the year. Uh, by end of the year, you mean December 31st? You're going to make it that long? I'm going to make it That's that long. long. Wow. Wow. What a commitment. Congratulations. Yeah. Is that a fate? Is that, 
how much i know you're very strong in your faith yeah how much is this a faith commitment to make it to the end of the year it, it, intentional it's it's really intentional around that it, it's it's honoring my wife too right molly is amazing and she's been super patient and she's like you know what we were talking about what does this look like and i said well let's you know let me kind of recuperate get some rest get some healing things like that um and you know maybe three months six months nine months before i start thinking about anything else and she's like how about you give me the holidays give us the holidays where we can be together as a family through christmas because i mean you know with the number of locations that you have and being able to lead well and and put my arm around people christmas time is wild because i you know i only had seven lo six locations and i'm going to christmas parties and christmas lunches and taking gifts and handing that stuff out and it just makes that season crazy so we've never had kind of a calm uh holiday season christmas season and so i'm gonna i'm gonna wade through that with family maybe go on a trip who knows um so part of your story obviously or a big part of your story now at this point professionally not personally is you're 40 years old somebody from us to lbm calls you i assume they called you or did you reach out to them no they called me yep they called me yeah, so they called you, which happened to me, as you know, I, I know you know that, maybe not everybody knows that. They called me in 2013, which they do. I made an attractive offer, which I really all I had to do is sign the paperwork to get it done. Decided not to, that's for us. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad we didn't, but God thing. But you did. So how mm -hmm. did it go from, you know, walk me through it. In your version of this story, walk us through it. Sure. Um, so, you know, I mean, you and I had spent, I think you and I met probably around the same time I'd met some of the folks at USLBM at, at some of these speaking, you know, I'd speak at, uh, you should take a step back. how do we know each other? Right. That might be right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's good. So we, I mean, I think you and Georgia, back in Wisconsin, how do we know each other? You and I met at an LBM journal conference where you spoke. Um, and I think it was Bradley Hartman. That was like, hey, y'all should know each other. Maybe that was later. I don't know. Um, North Carolina. It was in North Carolina. It was in it was in North Charlotte, North Carolina. You spoke there. I spoke on a panel with a couple other uh, folks that I can't remember who it was at, at this point. But um, and so I was like, yeah, I want to go meet him. So we ended up talking that time, and then we end up together in an executive board, ex executive committee on uh, building products in uh, South Carolina standing out on the pier you and me and one other guy till the last guys out there talking about sales and margin and my favorite can i tell the watch story i, I, I tell it all the time so 100 percent, i love it's, it it's one of my favorite stories one of the other guy that was there good friend of mine and he's we're pretty, we're pretty blitz let's be honest right like yeah. this is we're pretty energized up at this right. point so it's me we're high energy right all testosterone if you will go ahead <laughs> and so we start talking and you start talking about high margin customers why would you spend your time wasting your time on low margin customers and it's funny i actually have a non uh, apple watch on uh and but the guy takes off his watch and he says joel do you see this watch this is a beautiful watch. It's an expensive watch. It's got big gears and it's got small gears. And that's what makes this watch work. You've got to have the big gears and the small gears. And you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And so we walk off. We, we finally walk inside. The next morning, I'm sitting at breakfast with this guy. And we're standing there. 
sitting there eating our breakfast and all of a sudden plop on the table drops an Apple watch with a note that says, this is the Apple watch. It's the most accurate and, and largest selling watch in the world. It has no gears. And I mean, I've laughed about that for, that's probably been eight years and I've told that story a million times. And so I just, that that's how we know each other. We got to know each other through. I couldn't sleep thinking about it. You know, this guy was, uh, uh, he'll never watch the episode, but right, he's old, white, and stale, right? Yeah. Like, so we're like picking on him and he's treating us. I mean, we're, I mean, again, it's maybe eight, nine years ago, but we're early, mid thirties, you know, early forties for me, maybe. And he's treating us like we're 17 years old, right? <laughs> he's talking slow and he's like waving this watch. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. Like, dude, like I know the industry, you know, we like, we grew up in it. Yeah. Like, shut up. I think the dude was selling in Atlanta. I think he was in Atlanta selling like windows for two margin or something. Charlotte. It was yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah, Charlotte. It was so freaking ridiculous. But oh, so that's yeah. how we know each other. So I'd be on some of those speaking uh, deals, and I and I ended up you know talking to some of the folks at USLBM, and so they. I mean, I'd talked with them on and off for years. Um, wasn't super interested at the time. Uh, you know, when I joined you, Brand Vaughn in two thousand and six, we went from you know, 60-ish million in sales and 100 plus people down to 16 million in sales and 31 people. So we saw the devastation to well, our- that bad in 08. We did. Yeah. So Atlanta went from 63,000 housing starts down to 4,700. And there was 120 lumberyard locations in, in 06. It got down to 20. So let's uh, do this again. 63,000 housing starts to what? 4,700. And Wisconsin does 3,500 a year. We're the such a small player. We're such a small player, right? And that's, you know, for anybody, team members listening, regionally listening here in Wisconsin, that's why we don't see these huge spikes yeah. and huge downturns. Exactly. I mean, that's huge percentages. We'll go from 38, 4,000, almost break the bank because we still have enough labor to do it. And then at some point we might go down to 3000, right? Which is 15%, but those are wild spikes by any means. Yeah. Yeah. And all things considered, we're just a little, little goldfish as far as what we do, you know, in Wisconsin here. So, well, cool. well, so, I mean, we, so going through that and seeing what that meant to our business and standing in the, in our facility in Tucker with my dad and saying, you know, what are we going to do with this place? Um, we're using, you know, 30% of this land. Is this going to ever come back standing in a bankruptcy attorney's office, just understanding options, right? Hey, if this continues, what do we do? And we were fortunate and blessed and we ended up having a really good uh, run from 2010 on. Um, we grew like crazy. We've got great people uh, and we just really grew our business. And so when 2020 hit, it, you know, it was, you know, March 30th. And we're kind of saying the same thing. Some of our builders were like, Hey, we really aren't going to be paying our bills until we figure out what's going on. And we never missed a discount to our vendors in 75 years. At that point, we never missed a payroll to our employees in our history. And so we started doing cash burn rates and saying, what happens uh, if they are true to that? And they like, when do we go out of, when do we run out of money? And it just gotten to the point, to the size and scale that that's it's- a fun, That's a fun exercise. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, you know, talk about waking up at four o'clock in the morning. I wish I was up, I could sleep that late at the time. Yeah. 
you know, and we talked around that same time, we were talking about how do you lead well through some of these things and figuring out what the world was going to look like. But what we kind of figured out at that point was that, cause then it goes the other way and it just takes off and it's growing like crazy. And, yeah. We missed it by a mile, all of us, but yeah. Yeah. It's a rocket ship to the moon. And, um, and, and the, the hours continue to pile up and I was at the point I was the only, so it was me and my dad were the only owners. And, um, it was like, all right, well, well, what are the models for going forward? Uh, how do we make this sustainable for our people? How do we make sure we give opportunity to our people that they have flexibility? We don't lose our best people because they feel like they're hitting a the ceiling. Um, how do we continue to invest in the business the right way? And so we kind of built like model A, model B and model C around, hey, one would be reinvest personally or get go get extra debt. B was do something with uh, strategic like like USLBM and option three was a financial and just kind of thinking about what that looked like. And, and, and at the end of the day, what we what we really rested with was, OK, for the sustainability of our people um, to be able to continue to invest, to get the investment that we need to grow for them and for get them opportunities and flexibility, whether they want to move up and move to a different market or they wanted to do these different things, get you know, have more money around education and continuing training, um, better investment in technology, things like that. Uh, going to USLBM was was a good decision. And then for for our family, it was being able to de-risk at a, in a significant way and and add flexibility to our lives, um, and 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 also being able to think about you know maybe this isn't the only thing I want to do the rest of my life. Uh, and the only way that that happens is having an opportunity to, if it's, you know, have a, have a way to, because if it was still Brand Vaughn owned by Chip and John, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today about this. It'd be something different, right? We'd be talking about something, but, but it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been this. And so um, we joined July 1st of 2021 and, and the things that we were, we did it for, which it was been, it's been mission accomplished. It's been great training, education, technology, uh, for our team, we've invested in a really meaningful way to be able to add some services and, and manufacturing that we couldn't otherwise. Our, our teams had opportunity to go be part of corporate or move to other divisions as they've moved. And so all of those things that we thought about was really successful. But for me, you know, what we came in and I went to be an RVP, being over, you know, multiple states, and I learned a ton. Uh, and I work with really good people. And so that's kind of the hard part of it. But Ultimately, my first commitment, my first responsibility is my family. Uh, and I saw what it was doing to my family, it was doing to me and to my health. Um, and it wasn't sustainable. And the, and, the, and the best thing to do for the company as well was I was trying to figure out, is there a way to do this and not travel so much? Is there a way to do this and not work this many hours? And ultimately, kind of what I rested on was I, I wouldn't be doing the people that are working for me the, 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 the right kind of job to be able to lead them the right way. If I pulled back and didn't give them quite what they needed, I wouldn't be doing the right job for the company and giving them what they needed to be able to grow, scale, improve, uh, find the right things. And, and I wouldn't be do, I'd still be, I'd be one foot in each uh, world and not, and not really doing it fully. So they needed somebody that could be fully in it and doing it the right way. Awesome. A couple of follow-up questions. Did you ever, we are an ESOP owner, uh, ESOP company, you know, I yep. basically have, we, as all owners have to make these same decisions, right? Do you go strategic? You just keep reinvesting your own money into the company, which I will be doing on our next manufacturing plan, which are my attorney and accountants are telling me I'm crazy. Cause they're like, dude, you need to 
reinvest the money from the ESOP, not put it back into the ESOP. And I'm like, yeah, well, this one time, it's a really good investment. So I'm putting the money back in for our next manufacturing facility for doors and trim. I'm like, I just want to keep betting on myself. I don't like betting on anybody else. But right. we're doing that. But we decided to go ESOP. Did you ever consider going ESOP? Did you look at that, explore that a little bit or not really much? We looked at it just a little bit. I, I, I'd i be lying to you if I said I really looked at it fully. Um, but, but it was equally your part of getting out of, potentially getting out of the company. And ESOP doesn't right. relinquish management duties, right? So that was part of your decision. So a little bit different for me. I wasn't ready to actually depart from this journey. So right. uh, yeah. ESOP's a little different in our world. So you have a really cool story. And if you're willing to share that you told me about your third generation, you were talking to your fourth generation son. Yeah. Around that time period, you were having anxiety about selling mm. the company as an owner because you have this legacy, yeah. grandpa's legacy, future legacy, people that you work with, the community uh, that you live in. And you're like, did I make the right choice? So can you kind of tell me that story? Cause that, that gave me goosebumps and I teared up like crazy when you shared it with me. Yeah, it'll, it'll be tough to not do it here. So, um, it was Father's Day, so coming up on that. So that would have been Father's Day 2021, two years ago. We were going to be telling my siblings that day. And so we were with our kids and we're like, you know what? We need to tell our kids personally before they hear it in a family uh, Father's Day Zoom call. Um, and so we sat, we were we were at a hotel. We, were, we just dropped off one of my kids at camp and we were sitting there and we were sitting in this hotel room. And two beds on there. We sat on one, the boys who at the time would have been, I guess, 11 and and five were sitting on the other bed. And so I kind of explain, you know, guys, you know, we've made the decision that we're going to sell the company to USLBM. It's closing on July 1st. This is going to be a good thing for us. It gives us opportunity, flexibility, kind of give them the whole feel. <clears throat> My 11 year old, um, who's very smart, kind, thoughtful, sensitive kid gets up and he kind of goes to the other side of the bed and you can see he's starting to tear up a little bit. And so, um, you know, he finally comes over and it's like hugs my wife and says, I just always thought this was going to be a family business. And this is just, you know, I just always thought it was going to be family business. Meanwhile, the five-year-old is just bouncing on the bed, bounce, bounce, bounce. And he stops, looks me square in the eye and goes, your ancestors would be so proud of you. And it just broke me in that moment. And just, I mean, just, I can still feel that feeling uh, that it made me feel at the time. It's to me, that's, that's the Lord speaking through my kids. It's my grandfather speaking through my kids that I needed that in that moment to hear it. You're okay. You're doing the right thing. So I go into the bathroom, try to collect myself and I come back out and my wife's like, Nate was my oldest. She says, tell your father what you just told me. He said, dad, I'm, I know you've always told me I can do whatever I want to do. I don't have to be part of the business if, if I don't want to be, but I still felt a ton of pressure, the burden that I was going to have to take that over. And that's not what I want to do. At 11. It, it was like at 11, he felt a burden of something that I told him, you don't have to worry about this, but he felt it. Um, and it just was this unbelievable affirmation confirmation to be able to hear that from my boys in that moment to be like, you're, you're 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 doing this right john john this is marcus do you think he he felt that just from again like the hours you put into it over the years and just kind of seeing that do you think that's where that kind of came from i think so i mean i think he saw how important how how i mean i talk about the families at brand i still talk about the families at brand Vaughn, about how important it is to have that 
ability to affect other people's lives in a positive way, how to create belonging, create um, um, an environment where people who otherwise would not have the opportunity to do that. And the Vaughn name has done that. And it's a wonderful business. And that he sees how much passion I have around it. He goes to our family picnics and he can see how engaged I am with the people side of it. And so he, um, as being a sensitive kid, having a high EQ from for someone at that age, I, I think, Marcus, you're right. I think he felt that and he saw that. Well, I think it's very hard to explain unless you're in a family-run business. Um, the conversations at Christmas and Thanksgiving revolve around the lumberyard because that's what we know. Um, yeah. You go out to dinner and you buy somebody next to you dinner because and then they come over you and you say, well, that's person you see when they're three years old why'd you do that dad they bought they bought lumber from us right right yeah. or they work for us and they're a great person you go to church you can't even on vacation at this point with drexel i see somebody in a drexel hoodie and there's just an understanding of this is how the fleischmans are right right it's not persona it's who we are but when you go out you still are part of drexel and the kids get that from birth like there's no disconnect when you're a family-run business there's no you did, and I'm not complaining at all, but there is no point where you go home and you're not working. No, not not like grinding, but it's part of the kids' lives. It's, it's the always the way. It's yeah. always, Dad. What were you doing? You know, I'm just writing a list for things I got to work on on Monday. Can you explain that? How mm. was your day? Even the bigger conversations, yeah. you know. And I'm sure you did that too, John. Even driving around, I've always my kids thought I was a carpenter until they were like ten, because I'd be like. We did that project. We did this project. You know, they thought I built every multifamily in the state, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, so I remember, I remember driving once, and one of my kids are like, "But like, you didn't actually build it." I'm like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right." In fact, I didn't actually write up a ticket for it, deliver it, some right. materials. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I honestly did nothing. But I didn't yeah. collect <laughs> the money. I didn't make the call. I did, but yeah. But technically, my pride in it is my pride in it is the same as whoever owns that. 8,000 square foot house on this lake, right? Like, right. I feel like I actually own it. I really did nothing. I've done absolutely <laughs> nothing. But I knew we furnished it, so I took full credit. Like, hey, guys, Dad did this, right? <laughs> I'm sure you grew up the same way. But oh, 100%. Was, 100%. I, could still, I still drive with my dad, and he'll tell these stories in the 70s. This one and that one, and that guy never paid his final bill, and that house was leaning that quarter of an inch. And it's crazy. <laughs> but that's part of that there, for sure. For sure. So... Uh, interesting. I think it's a fun story that we should share and kind of a fun story is that it happened. And I'll never forget that. It's really definitely a story, a part of my book and getting to know you and what kind of how awesome you are and how much integrity you have. You, I don't know. You may not remember that it was a busy day for you. You texted me before you told your team, hey, Joel, before you get out there, I haven't talked to you in a year, maybe two. Before it gets out there, I just I'm telling the team today that I sold the USLBM. I woke up with that text like at 6, 630. I don't know if you remember it. I just responded to him. Welcome to the dark side with a Darth Vader. <laughs> That's yeah. it. You text him back, you're like, I figured it'd be something like that. Like, no, <laughs> that would like nothing else. no why, no why. It's just welcome to the dark side. Like it's over. You're, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. <laughs> that was great. That was great. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I appreciated that. It's like you, you left the SEC and joined the Big Ten, right? Like, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh man, how easy would that be? Yeah. Oh, here oh, we go. Here we go. <laughs> so you guys are big national champs. Let's do a little football talk. National champs. What's this year look like? You guys ranked one right now? You know, everybody's riding high. I I am 
I've thought this was our year for 40 years and it wasn't. And now we've won two in a row and it's like, no, yeah. no, no, no. We can't, you know, we, we can't start saying that it's our year. We're, you know, we're not all of a sudden Alabama who's won, you know, eight with Saban or whatever. Like we got to, we got to stay humble. Uh, I think we've got a really strong team. Kirby is ridiculous what he does from a recruiting and a coaching up of, and the people that he surrounds himself with. So I got high he, confidence. He's a beloved guy. I mean, he's never going to listen to our podcast. So if he's not, oh, yeah. it's okay. I don't want you to. You got season tickets? Like, are you a dude? No. So I had season tickets coming out of college. But then when the world fell apart in the building industry, I was like, I'm giving that up. I, I mean, yeah, no, and then the at the time I could, it's like, yeah, I can't catch up. I, and I'm not going to sit in the, yeah. you know, 132nd row. So I just buy tickets when I want to go. Yeah, but yeah, he's beloved. There's, I mean, he went here. He was, you know, kind of Charlie Hustle, uh, cornerback, you know, set some records. And um, he's, you know, went to the evil empire, speaking of, went to Alabama, came back, you know, kind of the the homeboy coming home. And he's been, he's awesome. That's great. He's John, who's your all time favorite Bulldog? DJ Shockley. And I'll tell you why I say that that fast. DJ Shockley was a five-star recruit. He was the number two, I think, quarterback in the nation when he was coming out of high school. Um, he got uh, recruited by a coach that ended up leaving, Jim Donnan. He came in and played for Mark Richt. And there was a freshman that came in. He was a redshirt freshman, David Green. And he ended up getting the starting job as DJ was going to redshirt. And he could have transferred in this world. He could have transferred anywhere in the world. And at the time, he still could have transferred, set out a year, played at Florida State or Alabama or, you know, Texas or Oklahoma. But he believed in the team and he stuck it out and he stayed with the team and he sat behind David Green, who ends up being the winningest quarterback in Georgia history. He comes in and he runs some plays. He runs some um, uh, some series and all the scores. Great. He comes in his senior year. He wins everything he gets hurt for one game we lose the one game he gets hurt and he comes back and he wins the rest of his games it had been a college football playoff situation he probably would have we probably would have made it at the time but he just it was that loyalty that commitment that hard work he's now does radio broadcasts for the falcons and, and dogs and he's just incredible so uh dj shockley it's hard to it's hard for me to get away from saying and i love david green too by the way i've, I've gotten to know him personally he's an amazing human but um but those two guys, those are those are my guys. See, John's a good dude. Yeah, yeah. Now, you didn't see that one coming, did you? I didn't. I was thinking more like Robert Edwards, Heinz Ward, something like that. Not oh God, I mean, Boss Bailey. I love Champ Bailey. You know Herschel. Um, you know, it, there's there's a lot of, to pick from, but that guy, that's my guy. That's a good story, though. I like that. That's a really good story. Yeah. I, I had no idea. I, had yeah. no I remember idea. David Green. David Green was a lefty, right? He was a lefty. Yep. Yeah. So it's kind of a challenging question. You may not be able to answer it. Uh, we'll just assume you have a non-compete clause, right? And obviously, you cannot give away trade secrets. But your perspective, your personal intel, you're on the East Coast. You've been now, you were regional, which meant you had to go to dinners and conferences with other USLBM people, just best practices. What's Are there a few nuggets you can share with us Wisconsin folks? of things we should be looking out for, industry trends, you know, things used to emerge on the East and West Coast, and then they would slowly bleed. With the internet, that's all sped up quite a bit as far yeah. as trends and regional trends, but even down to color schemes, how you come to marketplace, product lines, services that maybe we should be offering. 
anything you could share? And you might be like, I really can't think of anything or nothing. Yeah. Well, what I would say is I, I didn't think about budgeting and business planning near as much as an independent business as I did with USLBM. And I think there's a lot of advantage to that. And what is that John, what is, I think probably people don't know that are really close to this. How big is, I mean, this is totally public, again, ballpark. How big is USLBM? They're 10 plus billion. So they're 10 plus billion. It's a financial uh company right owned by financial advisors or however that how do you guys say how, how did you bank, say it? Bank capital. yeah bank capital is a private yeah. equity sponsor right private equity people 10 billion plus lt gibson started it 20 years ago not that long ago. 2009 i mean so it's 14 yeah. years ago it's incredible um, story. and that in, in regional here that would be wisconsin building supply was actually their very first location in green bay right. was their world headquarters yep. uh casey stock God rest his soul, real legendary up here. Strong competitor for us. We were real glad when he sold. Uh, <laughs> but turned into Wisconsin Building Supply and Lamperts would be a yep. little bit regional here. Um, so, yeah, you went from a, I didn't write it down, 200 million company to a 10 billion. Yeah. So maybe let's do it this way. What, what constraints did you wish you would have known from the 10 billion company to the 200 million company what different things you, you alluded to budgets and but go deeper with that because i think that's where you're yes. going so thinking about i mean we we run so fast and so hard as independent businesses we don't always take the time to stop think about not just hey what does this year hold but what does the next three years hold and and you know nobody ever budgets or business plans around dips in the market so you're always thinking aspirationally as you go through that but um, but being able to stop and say, okay, here is all of our options. And sometimes we have the illusion of choice because it's like, oh, we can choose these things, but we have so many choices and we don't pre-choose what we're going to really invest in um, that we get to that moment of choice. And it's like, I don't know what to choose because we and have we not made this. Choice is great. That's really good. Yeah. So you we're don't like the food, We're walking down the food aisle. I'll decide when I get there. You're like, I don't yeah. know. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, go get, pick up jelly at the grocery store and you stand in front of this thing and it's got 80 jellies, five different kinds. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, shopping. It'll keep going with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Marcus. But it's being able to stop, step back and say, all right, if all these things work out, how do we want to invest well? How do we want to think about how do we invest in our people and manufacturing and distribution and locations and vendors? Because if I can promise you our vendors are thinking three, five, seven years down the line, and they're thinking about what happens if, you know, whatever partnerships change, they get bought by USLBM, they go to do something different, they get consolidated, they grow, they get a new leader that tears it down. Like we've got to be having our chest pieces in the right place so that one of these pawns falls, we know what our next move is. And so <clears throat> as independent businesses, I, I maybe I'm just speaking for me and everybody else was really good at it, but being able to step back and be super intentional and not just have the leader do it, not just the president do it, but have the department heads, your offensive and defensive coordinators, like sitting in the meetings and being like, you know, I've always thought about we have to do offsite construction, putting windows in wall panels, and that's the future. And if we don't get ahead of that, then <clears throat> we're going to get passed by. 
And then all of a sudden you're there and you're, and you're, you know, and you don't do something about it. And all of a, you've lost all this market share because you just have, you, you didn't make a plan around it. So I think that, and then being able to hold people. So I've always talked about accountability. The way I've defined accountability at Brand Vaughn and tried to carry that on was defining what success looks like and holding people to that standard. People really uh, misuse accountability in my mind around people getting written up and fired and all that sort of stuff. But to me, like, hey, if, if I'm going to compensate people, it's going to be around accountability. We're going to say, hey, this is what success looks like. Let's hold them to that standard. Doing a good business planning and budgeting process to be able to say, hey, leadership accountability looks like this. These are behaviors. These are numbers. And these are like uh, cultural things. Um, and being able to be really good at doing that uh, was was incredibly helpful for us, for me. And, and how much time as a regional vice president did you put towards planning? Uh, if it's a 40-hour work week, what was the percentage of that put towards big picture stuff, not day-to-day? -day? All of it? No, it would go in spurts. So it would be yeah. segments of time where it would be a month where I was probably putting 10 or 15, 20 hours a week into budgeting, business planning, um, looking that, at... Is that like template spreadsheet based? Like USLBMs like fill this out? Sure. Kind of. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of that, a little bit of free form. Um, and it, okay. I mean, it changes, right? I mean, different people get yeah. in and they want to look see it different ways. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I, my three year plan at Brand Vaughn was on three pieces of paper. And was it as well thought out as it needed to be? Probably not. <clears throat> but a business plan, with something of that scale, is going to be, you know, significantly larger. Do you, do you think at all, and it may not, my, my issue with that sometimes, it, it voids the creativity. Sure. Hey, something pops up and it's like, whoa. <clears throat> and you got to be careful because Joel's into the shiny toys, right? Like, oh, look, a squirrel, right? So yeah. I can't say, okay, we're going this way, right? And we're too big to do that now. Maybe that worked when we were real small. Uh, but now that we're larger, we got to, that boat won't, won't shift as quick. And, and that's warranted. It just happened today, actually, where Andy Rutherford, thank God, he's kind of my yang to yang sometimes. He was like, slow down, slow down. Let's look into this. Let's not just create a, a war here that doesn't exist, right? Uh, which was great. He looked into a department that was going to work Saturday. And I said, okay, let's just throw a bunch of labor at it so they have to work Saturday. He's like, does anybody even know if they're busy? I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, a week and a half ago, they were busy. So they just, everyone assumed they still were. So. Just things like that, but my only hesitation was something that detailed, uh, or or is there a section of like creativity, flexibility? I think you got to build it into it, right? I mean, the bigger you get, it's harder to do to make some of those faster, twi fast twitch fiber moves. Um, but um, yeah, I think you got to build in some of that as well because if opportunities change, right? I mean, you think about what happened in 2020. If we had built our plan in April of 2020 for the rest of the year and not deviated from it, you <laughs> and me, we would have been toast. But literally, we, we, yeah, we wouldn't have had the workload. Customers would have fired us. That <laughs> kind of almost happened right? without right with dusting, right? Because we were so conservative, but we needed to be so aggressive. It was really tough. That was bad. Right. In yeah. a good way. Thank goodness wasn't the opposite of that. But uh, I'm going to ask you one more question based on that. I think we'll spin that to a positive. I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that's gonna come across as being negative to the company you had working with with USLVM. What are some advantages for independents 
that you now see. And again, if you're like, no, I'll take a pass on that one. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I should probably take a pass on that one. That's fair. That's fair. I, that, that's fair. I tried. <laughs> that's, like, that's like asking a former coach of Sabins, right? Right. Like, yeah, give me a couple plays that would work against uh, the Bama offense. This, right. This yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I think Nick, Nick's going to be texting me in like 30 seconds. Like, yeah, that's exactly saying? right. Yeah. No, so, uh, we're at that time crazy, John. So uh, give us some words of wisdom. I'm going to expand it a little bit, right? We always do the big giant billboard. I want you to do that with us. Get a big giant billboard, what's on it and why. And there's any parting words, so you can kind of host that as well. But we're already at that time because this is going way too fast. I'd yeah. love to be having beer until the crack of dawn, honestly. So, yeah, no, you have, John can do it. He's got time. I, I, I got time, but no, yeah, I love I, I love talking to you. It always it inspires different thought and 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 things like that. So, <clears throat> I have thought about that that billboard, and and this is what I would put is something that I've use with my team and try to teach myself because sometimes I get outside of it, but it's humility is a superpower. Like exercise your superpower. Humility is a superpower because I think I see so many people that get down the line and they start reading their own news clippings and they start believing their own press and, and they don't think they're going to make mistakes and hubris takes all of them down. And I think when you're meeting with team members and this is family, this is, community, this is work, this is church, this is all of it, is, man, if you walk into situations with humility and not entitlement, it creates better gratitude. It makes you enjoy the situation better. You're more relatable. You're not putting yourself, you're not walking into the room saying, I'm the most important person in the room. I'm going to shut up and listen. And then when they're done saying whatever they're saying, I'm not really listening. I'm going to tell them what we're doing or do the flip of it. You just walk out and say, hey, this is what we're doing. And, and it just ruins any creativity in the room. I think the we lack that in so many areas that the more that we can hold on to that humility as a superpower, the better our communities are going to be, our families are going to be, our businesses are going to be. It, it, it was funny. I, I told the story to a friend of mine today when um, the last month people have been just, you know, we announced in April that I was um, that I was transitioning out by the end of May. And some people were just really overly kind and gracious about, you know, their experience with me over time. And so whether it's lunches or or whatever, we had we had a we had a lunch on a on a Tuesday, and I left that lunch, and everybody was you know giving me hugs and telling me thank you and all this sort of stuff. And I called my sister, uh, and you can always rely on a sister. I'm like I'm like Jen, tell tell me I suck. She's like you suck. Uh, nobody likes you. This is fun. What what else can I do? Right? And it was just this like I can't I don't want to buy into this because all of a sudden I'm going to be gone. And everybody, the, nobody tells you when you're leaving the things that you did wrong or why they don't like you or why you're a jerk. They're only telling you the things that they, the people are going to come up and say, hey, I really appreciate how you did this for me. And just got to stay ground in that humility. Otherwise, it's just like, yeah, I'm pretty good. I guess they're right. I am pretty awesome. Um, so just trying to ground myself in that humility is a superpower. Well, and I, I, you and I are faith guys, which is a part of the reason we get along, right? So God guys. And I think this, when you were saying that, it kind of flashed in my head. Uh, Phil 14, 413, right? Like one of the most popular mm. Bible quotes ever, especially if you're an athlete. I can yep. do all things through him who strengthened me, right? right? And that can come across as that superpower, right? Tim sure. Tebow, 413. I see yep. a tattoo on a lot of his biceps. I say it a lot, right? Yeah. 
but I can make it about you. But if you actually listen to the quote, I can do all things through him, which strengthens me, right? Which means I'm nothing without God, which right. should be the most humility is superpower. That's the biggest one, right? You can do leadership. You can do like all the things you said, family, being humble. There's so much to humility, but at the end of the day, it's really about God, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't even like a lot of times people say, Hey, you must be really stressed out about Drex. And I'm always like, I don't know. We're all going to die. I'm just <laughs> trying to get to heaven. Right. You know, and, and I, I go through a process of, I walk down a little main street here in town, which is 35,000 people. Main street, very small. No, there's all 30, these 3,500. 3, yeah. No stop and go lights. Uh, and I see these remnants of, of past businesses down Main Street. And you know, 100, 150 years ago, there was a John Vaughn and a Joel Fleischman and a Marcus, and they were a shoe cobbler, right? And they spent their life and they were dressed. And now they're going to pay the bills. Or there was somebody super successful and thought they were the mayor of Camelsport because they had the world's best hardware store and they figured life out and they have the biggest Model T. They're all dead. Yeah. None of it matters. There's no legacy. We don't even know their names. It doesn't matter. And if we do know their name, it's maybe on the side of the brick and we don't know why and we don't care. Yeah. So it's all it's all just it's just it, all white noise. It's just all white noise at all. I had, a, very humility. I had a good friend who told me the graveyard is filled with irreplaceable people. Right. Yeah. And so it's that concept of like, yeah, hey, you can be irreplaceable, but you're also gonna be in the same place as everybody else in the grave. And I'm sure it was very humble for you, right, on your way out saying goodbye to the reward in you. But yet you're like, well, the company's going to still go on. So I wasn't that great, which I went to four pens about six months ago, maybe a little longer already. Seven, eight, yeah. seven, eight, you know, and the day that I miss, it's not that big a deal. Like, yeah, uh, it's fine. No one cares. Right. I, go to three, I go to three days a week. Like you said, it's a challenge when you like the, the guy where you like, at this position, I need to put this time in to, to do the job. But yeah, yeah. the balance part of it, if I'm going to make it to quote unquote the end, whatever the end is, right? And not burn out, I kind of need to do this too. So, well, right. John, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, a pleasure. always. God always. bless you and your family. Um, when you figure out, you know, when you, when you start figuring it out, give us a call, even in a non compete. Uh, you can work at the coffee shop or something. You know, we have other That's side right. gigs that are not I can we are really. I can move pallets of beer and be a barista. Oh, we like that. That'd be great. The Drexel light guy. Yeah, the Drexel. You can be the Drexel light spokesman. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Georgia guy. No, don't don't put my face on any cans. We don't need any of that in our I mean, lives. It won't work if you be mashing Big Ten stuff. I yeah, know. I know. Like, we got people now. Like, we're coming for you guys. We got pickle. You know, we got things happening up here. We're going to be all right. We don't play Georgia, do we? play Bama next this year? Um, next year we have then we got a two year with Bama, so that'll be fun. Yeah, we're gonna lose fifty three to three, but it'll be fun. <laughs> All right, good to see you, John. Take care. God All bless. Thanks for coming. God bless.